Hi, and welcome to episode nine of the Master's Choice podcast. Today, our co-host is uh, Scott Harris. We'll be talking about the advantages of farmers uh, doing prepay for their seeds. Also in studio today as our guest will be uh, Toby Shreve, and he'll be talking about what to expect from your seeds man. We'll also be talking about seed cost with uh, Scott and, and how uh, people can kind of overcome maybe the sticker shock of that. We hope that you uh, enjoy the podcast today and thanks for joining us. Hi, and welcome to uh, Master's Choice Podcast, Episode 9. My co-host today is Scott Harris. Scott, welcome to the studio. Glad that you could make it in today. Thanks, Mark. It is good to be back again. Absolutely. Yeah, and we, we've done this a couple of times together, so I guess we're kind of old pros at this. Yeah. So remind our audience uh, who, who knows and maybe has forgotten or maybe some new guys exactly what your role and title here is here at Master's Choice. So Master's Choice, I'm the national sales manager for us. So that means that I deal everything from the direct side of the business and with the distributors across the entire part of the country and then actually some up into Canada uh, where we've got some distribution up there. So anything sales related, I get to be a part of. So when when a lot of guys, they sometimes ask me and, and people who just don't really know, oh, are you selling any seed corn today? You're not actually on the farm selling seed corn. No, Correct. not not very often. More of my job is management and, and dealing with the distributor relationships because of the the intricacy of that relationship. We don't necessarily spend a lot of time on the farm. You know, every once in a while, myself or you or or one of the team members here will go on a farm with a dealer. But for the most part, it's not not as that. Oh, I'm not like I'm on the farm taking the order. Okay. most of the time at the yeah, end of the day. But really the management side where you are, and I think your your ter- your term there, uh, dealing with the relationship uh, with the distributors really well. You, you go out, you talk to those guys about new sales things. Also, you you work really close with our 500 club guys. Yes. Those, those are kind of our top dealers throughout right. all, all distributors and everybody, right? Right. So 500 club um, is, a rep- is a kind of a designation, for lack of a better word, um, of your top performing dealers. These are guys that are kind of elite within the business um, that uh, sell more than five, at least 500 bags of corn or more. Um, many of them are m- much higher than that, yep. but um, that's kind of a starting minimum point. Level. Yep, kind of a minimum level to be in that. And there's a, just when you're working with those, hopefully you're working with a, a very advanced group of people uh, in the industry and, and especially in the knowledge of our products. Okay. And, and so this time of year, what, what, um, you know, we, we kind of kick off sales season into the summer. We're, we're, we're winding down sales season. So is there any differences in your job right now? Uh, some things that you're doing right now that maybe you usually don't do in the fall or the summer? I mean, where, where are you at in, in that process? Well, one of the biggest differences, obviously, right now is I'm not traveling. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm home quite a bit right now, which is nice. I just got to remember where I live. Right. So, right. but, uh, being home right now is really nice. Um, but it's just, it's just different. Um, that now it's as much as we're kind of finishing up the year and wrapping up the year, we are looking at next year a lot right now. Right. And so, because now is the time when we're building the programs, you know, for next year, obviously production has already been decided. So we're making sure that our production is matching what we're going to see from a sales standpoint. So I spend a lot of time in meetings right now, okay. um, as you well know. So speaking of the sales thing, this, this season has, you know, every year we say this season's different than, than last year or whatever. Yeah. But 
really and truly, we've had probably more late season sales this year than than ever before, have we? Yeah, not? you know, it, it seems like that in the going on six years that I've are almost starting seven, I guess that I've been here. It's every year it seems like that's happening more and more. Uh, that the more sales are coming in late. I think there's a big trend going on in the industry, and not just us. Right. Um, a lot of connections throughout the ag industry, and everybody is telling us the same thing, that there is more and more late-season sales, that prepay is just not as um, aggressive as it used to be. So when you talk about prepay, explain a little bit about that <clears throat> and, and what you mean by it's not as aggressive as it used to be. Right. So almost every company, I won't say every because you never know, but almost every company has a, a prepay program of some type. Okay. You know, some companies it's a dollar amount per unit or most companies it's a percentage uh, that they can get a discount on their seed by ordering it early, you know, and it, it, there's usually some kind of step down as far as, uh, you know, maybe it's, you know, it's probably going to be highest on corn. It's probably going to be highest in September. Um, and then it's going to slowly that 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 premium or that discount is going to go down as we go throughout the year. So I remember when I first started, it was such a big emphasis, um, you know, and, and you'll still see a lot of it in December, okay. you know, because there's tax reasons, right. for tax benefit for a lot of farmers. But even that has, has I think, has gone down substantially from what it used to be. And I think there's a there's a few different causes for okay. that. I was going to ask you to speculate. I mean, right. You're right. So obviously we you don't have a crystal ball, and but maybe you've heard from some guys speculating why exactly we're not getting the prepay that maybe we used to in years past. Right. I, I think the biggest issue, Mark, is cash flow. Okay. I think cash flow is so much tighter um, across the board, whether we're talking for grain guys or whether we're talking about um, – you know, dairy guys, feedlot, whatever it is, the margins are so much tighter yeah. and their cash flow just isn't there. And so as much as maybe they'd love to take advantage of it, they don't have the ability right now to take advantage of it. Which, which is which is almost contra- contradictory. At, yeah. At, you know, I right. Mean, but but you're right. It's prepay. It's not pre-order. Right. And it's and it's not early order. It's 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 early pay. Yeah. We don't, yeah. You don't want to get those mixed up because some companies have both. Okay. Right. So some companies do have a, a early ordered, early order discount and an early pay discount. Um, so, you know, me to fully maximize, obviously doing both. Uh, but there's also some secondary factors that have gone on here. I think that that has caused this slowdown in prepay. One is that ba- money's cheaper from the bank right now too, than what it used to be. I mean, you think not all that long ago, farms in interest rates were much higher. Okay. So it didn't make sense for me to use my operating loan when I could get such a big discount on my seed. I'll just take that, and then I'll use my operating loan for other stuff or use it later. Well, now the money is much cheaper okay. from the bank. So interest. The interest, so interest rates are Yes, lower. interest rates are lower. Okay. And so it's much for a lot of guys, it may be just as cheap or cheaper to use that operating loan a little bit earlier and tap into that a little bit earlier because the cost of money isn't as high. Okay. Right. So um, th- that's another big factor in, in what's going on there. Um, the other thing I think is a, a small factor, but it's still a factor, is the it's not as hard to get the hybrid you want for the most part in the industry right now. Right. So, so production has seed. been good. Okay. Surplus of seed production has been really good for most companies. So, you know, before it was, well, I want that hybrid. So to secure it, I'm going to buy it early. So that that kind of that kind of brings up a thought, and we're gonna have Toby in here uh, in a little bit. He's uh, he's one of your uh, sales associates, I guess that's what his title right. is. He'll explain that a little bit more. But um, you know, I wonder how many guys are actually picking their hybrids. I yeah. wonder I wonder how many guys are actually saying this is the hybrid I want, or if they're more relying on some of those decisions from their seed seed provider. 
right. or, or seedsman? Right, and that's that's a great question, and and I think there's probably no way for us to know that for sure. I think more and more they that farms are getting more reliant on their dealer, yeah, which I believe is a good thing. Yeah, if their seedsman is doing is what everything that he should be doing, which we'll talk about, but um, it, it's that. But there's still that you know, there's always that hybrid. Right. There's always that one hybrid or two hybrids that yeah. just people fall in love with. And in the years past, and especially, um, you know, four or five years ago when we had a couple of really rough production years, um, that frustrates somebody uh, when they can't get what they when want. They can't get, and, you know, and I think probably in the livestock area and in the um, in the, you know, uh, dairy um, arena, so to speak, industry, you know, maybe maybe hybrid selection is a little bit different than, than in the grain, you know, a, a seedsman can go to a farmer and say, look, these are the best ones that were, uh, that were in, in the plots over the last couple of years or, or last year, you know, here, here's the highest producing one as far as bushels, you know, a, a, for a grain guy, but a dairy guy, I think a lot of times he may get stuck on a hybrid. He, you know, he, he may get, he may actually kind of like, I know that this one is going to feed well. I know that it performs well. So I think there may be even a little bit more of that in the dairy industry. Am, am I, am I off base? Uh, no, absolutely. I think you're a hundred percent right. I think that, you know, what they're looking at obviously is so different. Yeah. Uh, well, it should be different. <laughs> it's exactly. like we should probably specify exactly. that, that exactly. it should be different. Unfortunately, sometimes I don't think it is, mm. um, but it's, it should be different. I think that one of the biggest factors that when it comes to looking at what what hybrid am I going to plant and, and how this all relates is we get too focused on a hybrid. Yeah. You know, instead of a plan, let's yeah. develop a plan, a plan. Right. and let's let's make sure that we're using multiple hybrids, and let's make sure you know there is too much reliance upon one type of hybrid for for grain and and for dairy. And for I, I would I would agree with that. You know, everybody kind of knows the the hot ones. You know, around the yeah. industry, it's this number and that number, and everybody's kind of familiar with those. In fact, I was at a meeting yesterday where a guy was throwing around numbers that, that he, he did. But before we before we kind of we, we kind of diverted off there, but I want to go back to this, to this thing about about prepay. What are what are some advantages guys are missing out on uh, if they're not taking advantage uh, of, of prepay? Right. So obviously it still comes back to some of the things we talked about that maybe aren't as big of a factor. If you're in a tougher financial situation, you really got to look at which one of your products are going to have the biggest benefit for you on that prepay dollar. Um, so you could be missing out on the opportunity to really help your bottom line, okay. um, you know, financially. Uh, you're also going to be looking at the, the, the hybrid thing is still a part of it. You know, the, the hybrid selection, and granted, no, if any company tells you they can 100% guarantee something, eh, you know, you want to be careful there. But it obviously can make a bigger difference for you getting that early pay, early dollars in. And, you know, just especially tax tax, tax season, you know, when you're talking about December, I mean, you're talk, you could talk about a huge financial, so, financial difference. So one of the things that I think is really interesting is that, um, and, it, and it's kind of a conundrum within the industry, is that you have guys who are, who are, who are so conscious about seed costs. Oh, well, you know, I mean, their first question when you show up on the farm is, well, what, what's this going to cost me? Right. And you have these guys who are so conscious about that. But at the same time, maybe they're not taking advantage of something like prepay. So as a as a um, as a sales manager, as as the, 
you know, I think we call you the global intergalactic sales manager because you really that's are. what I prefer. Yeah, yes. that's, that's you know, because you are all over the all over the place, really. But but as you're dealing in, in training guys, how, how do you how do you walk them through? How do you walk them through overcoming that obstacle with a guy who would say, well, that just seed just costs too much? Right. So seed cost is such a relative term. It really is because what I think may cost a lot for a, you know, or I shouldn't say I, what a farm in California says costs them a lot. Uh, a farm in New York may say, wow, what a deal, right? Okay. And um, it's all relative to what's your goal for this seed, okay. right? So it, obviously if you're, a, if you're a grain guy, you've got one goal in mind. Well, two, right? Test weight and yield, yep. right? That's how you pay your bill. So therefore your biggest factor is going to be yield. But you're, we can really set ourselves up for failure, especially, I'm going to say even probably more on the feed and the dairy side, um, by only looking at yield, right? And only agree. looking at agree. cost, right? So, you know, we've got a spreadsheet. I actually brought it with me. Obviously, you can't see it over the radio, but we can talk through it. Um, and, and looking at what factors do I really need to consider when I'm going to consider seed cost? Okay. You know? um, so... Well, what's it ton? Well, that's part of it, but how much difference is it going to make? You know, if, if I tell you, Mark, um, how much are you paying for your corn? And you tell me, uh, 220 bucks. Okay. And I say, well, mine's 260. I would say, well, that's $40 more. I'm, I, you know, I don't want, I don't want to pay $40 more for, for a bag of seed. Right. Okay. Right. So, but when you take that and you actually break it down, so if you were going to take it and you were going to look at, for example, that exact same situation, so you're going to look at, uh, $260 versus $220 on an 80,000 kernel bag, 36,000 population. Your seed cost to the acre, you're looking at about $18 in difference. Okay. At a 25 ton average, you're talking about 468 versus 396. 468 a ton. Yep. Versus 396. So you're looking at 75 cents a ton more. Yep. Okay. So all things being equal though, all right, so if I have corn silage A and corn silage B, and and I you know I, I want to when does it make when does it make an advantage to buy something that does cost seventy cents a ton? Now seventy cents a ton is not is not much, right? right? So let's first of all let's just say that seventy cents a ton for feed is is not necessarily a whole lot, but when when does that when does that make sense? When does it make sense to be able to pay that? Right. Whenever you can offset the cost plus with, with, with an advantage. Okay. Right. That's when you're willing to pay for something more is when you can show an advantage. Okay. Right. I'm willing to pay more to get my oil changed somewhere if they're also going to clean my car and they're also going to do all these other factors and check on everything versus taking to somebody who's just going to change the oil and then never look at anything. I'm willing to pay a few more dollars. Right. Okay. We don't think twice about that. You know, but are you, can you see an advantage from maybe you, this would be more your area, milk per ton. You're right. Right. So if okay. I see a gosh, if I only see what a uh, imagine a forty, you know, forty difference in milk per ton. Yeah. You know, ver so, so a quality difference. When, yeah. when when I can when I can see a quality difference and a production difference off of that same off of that same yield, then then it, it begins to make sense. And and you know that's where we've kind of set ourselves apart in the industry is being able to to breed and select those hybrids that will make a difference. You know, and, and so so therefore, if I'm getting more production out of that corn and it's higher quality, it makes more sense to pay to pay a little bit more 
per ton. You know, when we break it down per ton, it's not much per ton to be able to pay for that. Right. Absolutely. We we tend to just want to look at that upfront sticker shock. Yeah. Right. And see that see the cost. And um, I mean, there's I get it. I do get it. Um, but are you costing yourself a lot more on the back end by not look, making sure you're looking at it? Now, I'm, I'm not saying that necessarily everything um, has to come down to just a cost per ton. There's right. other factors there. Right. And there's a lot of things that can Im- impact milk production. But you need to break it down that far. If right. you're going to do a true analysis, cost analysis, cost analysis you've yep. got to break it down that far. You, you do, you do, and I and I think there's a lot of guys who just don't, you know, and um and, and actually, you know, it, it's really interesting if you break that, you can break that down, and and if the quality on the cheaper seed is not there, you're actually losing money. I mean, you're actually paying more. Well, what's the what's the what's the famous saying? There's nothing more expensive than the, cheap seed than cheap seed, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, there, there are guys, uh, we talked about production being good over the last couple of years for seed production, you know, uh, silage production has been really good. And there's a lot of guys sitting on a lot in inventory, but maybe because of the growing conditions, they have not, they, they have not gotten the quality that they want. Well, I think that this year is an opportunity for guys to maybe back down their populations and really chase that quality aspect so that they've got some some quality feed there that maybe over the last couple of years they've gotten the tons and they've gotten the yield but they haven't gotten the quality. I think this is the this is the year that you could really chase good quality because of because of inventories. Right, I completely agree and it comes back to like we talked one of the last on the last time I was on here is what's your goal? Yeah. You know, if your goal is I want the absolute minimum input cost I can get. Yeah. Then I guess I mean, I guess you don't have to worry about looking at the the back end of things, right? Right. But is your goal Unless quality? you're a veterinarian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I see what you did there. That was good. Uh, but we want to well, what's your goal? Obviously for most dairymen it's going to be milk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, yeah, they, they don't get they don't get paid from their corn. Right. They get paid from the from the milk. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, because of that, the corn and and, and not, not just corn, I think their grasses, everything gets kind of shorter. Well, I just I don't want to put too much money there because I got to have, you know, yep. all my cost is going into my cows. And so it's just a almost like a secondary thing, you know. Sure. Um, instead of realizing that 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 upfront cost is important, but it's not the only thing to look at. Yeah. And, you know. One of the other things about seed cost is that w- there's a lot of companies, and, and we happen to be one of them, who who promote lower populations. Yep. Maybe a, a and, and, I, and I'm not talking about extremely low populations, but you know if you're planting at 36, maybe let's back that down to 32 and see if we can gain some quality. We know beyond uh, you know all the all the research shows that the lower the population, the better the quality of their silage. So so maybe instead of planting 36, let's plant 32. Well, then I'll, automatically we're getting that bag of seed is going further as far as how many acres I'm being able to plant with that. Absolutely. And, and then that lowers my that lowers my uh, per, per acre cost uh, with things like that and gets me higher quality feed and gets me more milk production. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, Scott, it's, I think what we'll do is we're going to invite Toby in, and we'll have Toby join us. And then, uh, you know, you, you two work really close with, with the direct guys. We'll have Toby come in, and we'll talk to him uh, about what to really expect from, uh, from, from your, your seed guy. So uh, Toby Shreve has joined us in the studio today. 
So, uh, Toby, welcome. Glad that you are here. Tell us uh, what your title is and kind of give us a little job description of what you do. Uh, so my title is I am a sales associate. I work directly under Scott. Um, I also help Scott with some of the management of the distributors. Uh, but one of the main things that I do here is I work with our direct sales guys. Okay. So I'm in the field with them, traveling around, uh, uh, helping train them to to do the correct things that a seedman should be doing in the field. Keeping them accountable. Absolutely. And and here here recently, we've really tried to begin to grow that side of our sales force, correct? Correct. We, uh, we've put a big emphasis on the direct side. So we, uh, we really feel like uh, th- there are some sales there that we can capture with, uh, with the direct sales force. And, and we can kind of put those guys exactly where we want them. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. We've, so we've got distributors. They have dealers. They have good dealers. And we don't want to over, overlap necessarily there. But, it, but there are gaps in places. And so coming from that direct side, we can, we can pull those, look at those, and then, and then be able to place a guy. From a, from a national sales point, we, can, we, we have a, a little more reach with direct guys than we do with our distributors. Our distributors do a great job. We couldn't be more happy with the way that, that they are in the field, but, but there are definitely some holes in those areas that, that having a direct sales force allows us to be able to fill those. And there are areas that we don't have a, 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 basically a distributor representation. Absolutely. And, and I'm thinking more kind of out west and, and those kinds of things, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So, um, so, so Toby, as, as you are dealing with more of this direct side and these guys in particular, what kinds of things should a should a farmer really expect from from his seedsman? So, so let's talk about uh, maybe the communication from the farmer to the seedsman, because okay. I think that that's probably the most overlooked aspect of of dealing with a seedsman and a farmer. And and a lot of times, you know, as a guy that worked in the field for seven years, I was a, a salesman in the field. Um, and, and one of the things that was always so confusing to me was that you, you walk from one farm to the other and, and one guy's mad that you're, that you're calling on him and then you walk onto the other and you're not spending enough time with, with the next one. Yep. So uh, I think the most important aspect uh, f- for that direct relationship is that the farmer gives uh, enough communication to a salesman of what his expectations are to, to let him know what it is exactly that he's wanting out of him. Whether it is that he's wanting him to call on him on a regular basis, or right. or or leave him alone and only talk to him when it's time for seed to be delivered. So what you're saying is the farmer's kind of like a wife. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. But don't let my wife hear this. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll make sure that Actually, she doesn't. No, I didn't. I didn't just text her and tell her to tune in or anything. No. <laughs> no, I think that Toby's exactly right. It is. It is hard for a seedsman to do a good job for you if you won't let him. You know, I think that we uh, we really have a. a tendency one of the biggest complaints that i hear from farms is that i only see my seed guy when it's time to to buy right right and that may not be actually be the seedsman's fault you know because maybe he doesn't feel comfortable or they don't feel comfortable to be able to walk onto the farm in march or you know or july or june um you know but really they need to be out there more they need to be out there a lot but communication i think toby's exactly right so i can tell you that your your seedsman wants to be there more it's it's never a problem of how much time does a seedsman want to be there he wants to be there more he wants to cultivate that relationship with you and and continue to to spend as much time as possible on the farm so uh, i don't believe that you can have enough expectations for your seedsman i think you just need to communicate those clearly to him so that so that he knows what what to do for you. Okay, right? so so I, yeah, you brought up a good point there, Scott, and Toby. We'll let you answer this. What 
what should a uh, farmer be expecting from his seed man today, right now, at, at this time of year? What what should they be expecting from him? So I would think planter rides um, would would be an important thing for a seedsman to be out doing at, at this time of the year. He should he should be out looking to to see what some of those planter settings are to make sure you know every seed company has a little bit different recommendations for their seeds and and if you're putting a bag of one brand in and then and then you're switching over to the the next one. I think it would be really important for your seedsman to be there, making sure that you're putting uh, their seed at the recommendations. Okay, checking soil depth or planting depth, checking planting speed, soil depth, moisture, moisture. Yep. So you know, hopefully, hopefully they've already done soil tests, but at yep. least have a recommendation. Make sure the another big one is making sure that hopefully he's done a farm plan with you. And making sure the right hybrids getting are getting put in the right spot. Yeah, making sure the guy on the on the planter can actually drive it. Yeah, would be would be a good one too. Yep. Yeah, that and, and that really that really makes sense. And and I you know, I wonder I wonder how well that's received by the by the farmer. You know, I as as so as a seed guy, I could almost see a guy going, well, I don't want to get in his business, but I would almost think that that would be really welcomed by a farmer. Yeah, you would think so. I mean. I guess from a seedsman standpoint and from a farm standpoint, you can't get mad at somebody that's trying to help you, right? right? But if you're not comfortable with the level of service, talk to them. You know, tell them you want more or, that you know, we, I don't need all this. Yeah. You know? Again, it goes all back to communication. communication. I really yeah. think communication is, is the biggest aspect that we miss from a seedsman to a farm standpoint. Yeah, that that seedsman should be a resource to the farm. Absolutely, he, he should be he should be not just a sales guy showing up there to sell you something, but a guy who's almost like a consultant. Yes, I mean yep. you're, you're paying him for a seed. He ought to be he ought to be consulting you on 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 issues that deal with that seed. Correct. Right. Yes, absolutely. It, it's funny that you know you'll walk onto a farm and begin to talk to them, and they'll say, "Well, you know, what do you want to put on me? What do you what, what do you want to put on here?" And you've not even asked a question. You know, you don't walk into the doctor's office and and not tell them what's wrong or you know why you're there. You know, they, and then you tell them why you're there. Then the doctor asks questions and figure out what's going on. Yeah. It's really the same thing. It's all about it's diagnosis. It's just knowing what's going on. That way, I know how to service you. you yeah, know? and that makes sense. So a seed, a seed guy ought to go in and, and ask questions, not just say, not just hand you a sales sheet or or pricing and say, Here, here's what I want to sell you. Hey, let's look at your farm. Let's let's look at things that are going on. Let's look at your goals. You know where, uh, you know how what kind of quality do you want? What kind of inventory do you have? You know what are we looking at? And and then and then what are some other things that that seed? What are some other questions that that seed man should so, really be asked? So the old sales model was exactly that. The old sales model was you walked onto a farm and you sold a popular number. You sold a popular hybrid. Uh, that that's just not the case anymore with the technologies that that are in the ag industry now it, it's really all about the seed plan yeah it's about you know cropping plan making sure that you know what's going on um, even if it's not my product i should still have a knowledge of it absolutely right even right. if you know i should know what grasses mark's going to use on his farm or is he using uh what is he using somebody else's corn also and how okay maybe i need to tell him to plant you know plant mine later plant mine earlier harvest mine first um, here's why I think, you know, it's not about putting down the other products. It's about making sure you're complementing 
those products and make sure you're helping the farm with an entire plant. You know, looking at everything as a whole. How much interaction should the seed guy? So we're, let's just think about a dairy specifically here. How much interaction should the seed guy have with with the with the guy who's planting the corn, with the guy who's um, who's buying the corn? Because that may not be the same guy. Sometimes it is. But but even let's just talk about the nutritionist. How much interaction should should a a seed guy have with a nutritionist? You know, the sad thing is there isn't enough of it. I can guarantee you that. And some of that does vary on the type, uh, how big the farm is. Because some farms, the seed guy, the nutritionist, the farm manager is all the same guy. Sure. Right? But there for, for a lot of farms, their nutritionist is somebody different, someone from outside right. the farm. Right. And all the nutritionist knows is I have to feed and I have to make milk. But just imagine if you had communication up front. You know, here's what I'm trying to accomplish with my seed. What are you trying to accomplish from a nutritional standpoint? Part of that, too, is that the seed salesman of today really can't can't talk the lingo when it comes to dealing with the nutritionist. They really can't talk the lingo with a lot of that stuff. And so there really well, is a training. Us, us nutritionists are kind of, you know, a, you know, a, you're a different elite, class. an elite breed. Yeah, you're a different class. I've got some so. other words that I could think of to describe that, <laughs> yeah. but we're not going to do that right now. So go ahead, Toby. But so. I, I think you're right. I think they're, so they really can't. They just really can't talk the lingo. And so there's a training aspect there that, that we really have to work through to make sure that our, our seedsmen are up to par to be able to have those conversations. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I and I understand that. You know, I th I think there's a lot of times, you know, a nutritionist talks really a different language. I mean, you know, just talks a, a completely different lingo, different language, and sometimes you get lost in that. And um, but I but I also think that there's some responsibility on the nutritionist side to to really say these are my goals and and let me help you understand what I need and, and really kind of deal with that deal with that seed guy that 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 seedsman who who wants to be on the farm who wants to learn who wants to improve things so i think that there's probably responsibility enough for for all of those guys to kind of go around and and you you guys are right you know sometimes uh i'll i'll admit sometimes nutritionists get a little get a little uh high on themselves and 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 we do we do know more than most people and uh but really they ought to, they ought to try not to be so elitist and and really kind of help that seed guide determine what what goals that that farm really has. And it's it's really easy to to demonize the nutritionist from that aspect um, because you know the one that I deal with directly kind of is uh, like that you know. But um, it's just more of the fact that it's you're trying to make their job easier. Yes. And yes. vice versa, right? It, uh, this the best nutritionists that we get to work with are seems like the guys that really want to know everything about the farm. Right. Top to bottom. Yep. And because they know it's their job on the line, right? If, if it's, if you know, if that, if that farm goes out and puts the, the worst seed in possible, doesn't manage it right. Doesn't chop it right. Doesn't get everything it needs. Whose fault is it? It's going to be the nutritionist, the nutritionist when, when, the, when it doesn't make milk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the nutritionist's fault when it, even though, the nutritionist well, the, is like the what? two guys that are going to get kicked off the farm the fastest are the seedsman and the nutritionist. Yeah. Right. So let's let's make sure we're working together. So that way, at least if we get kicked off, we get together. kicked off at the same time. Together. <laughs> so, so you know, just to kind of just to kind of put a little, we'll, we'll put a little slant on this for a minute. As as master's choice, what are we doing to to kind of help those things? What what are we doing to produce the best seedmen out there possible? So we we have a training program here that we are. We're not just bringing guys in and showing them how to, to sell seed. We're bringing them in and showing them how to talk the lingo, right? Right. So we're bringing them in, and we are 
we are showing them how to deal with the nutritionist. We're showing them how to deal with the farm manager. We're showing them how to deal with other seedsmen because I think it's important for them to be able to interact with all of those guys. I would, I would agree. I'd agree completely. Scott, what, what, would your, what would your take on that be? So Yeah, I think Toby nailed it. Um, one of the biggest aspects is just trying to get the dealer to think differently. Um, get them to look at stuff a little different. Let's not just go in and we don't want to be order takers, right? You don't, that's the one that from a, from a sales management standpoint. And Toby has done just as much, if not more of it than I have in his previous jobs. One of the worst things is having an order taker. Somebody yeah. who walks on the farm. Well, what do you want? Okay. Well, it'll be here in two months. Yeah. I'll, no, I mean, that's just, that's not good business. No, um, that's not what we desire. So. so I would go as far as to say in our organization, if we have order takers, we'll be looking for new people. Right. Yeah. Because we, we don't want that. No. That's not what we, we want to be part of your farm. So, so give me real, Give me the, um, I, you know, I guess maybe the quarterly breakdown, uh, breakdown, you know, okay, so so the first the first three months of sales season, what's the main thing that that, that, that seedman ought to be doing? First three months is a cropping plan. Cropping plan. Yeah. Okay. So we want to know ex- everything about your farm, like we've talked about. Um, the guy should be sitting down with you, making sure that, you know, Okay, I understand you've got this many acres of hay this year. How many acres of silage are you looking at? How much dry corn do you need? How much high moisture corn are you looking at? Okay, well, what, where do we want to do placement-wise? What is this field like? Where do we want to put it all? Uh, just making sure that that is cropping plan. We are in this really vicious, bad cycle, I believe, in the ag industry right now from a farming standpoint of we don't ever talk about this stuff. You know, we think, well— let me see how it does. Let it's me really see. taboo to yeah. talk about this stuff. Yeah, you can't. We've you, really made it you taboo. Try to, you try to talk about what yeah. you're going to do next year yeah. in July, and guys are like, well, it's only yeah. July. Why are we talking about next year? Well, you know it's coming. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not, it's yeah, not it's a not secret. Like it's not, yeah, yeah, it's not like it's going to surprise. Oh, yeah. hey, it's July. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if you're developing a plan now, think of how much more ahead of the game you're going to be, yeah. right? So get those cropping plans started early. You know, but we, we act like September starts off the selling season, but really we should be thinking about what we're going to be doing in July or in June. So we, we talked about this was the this was the latest that that we've seen some sales, but really sales numbers, uh, 20, 25% of the sales actually happened before September. Yeah. So a quarter of the sales nationwide actually were done before September. Okay. So so then, so you have, let's just say we have, uh, uh, you know, June, July, or July, August, September. Now, what are we doing October, November, December? What what should they be expecting from their seed guy? Right, so October, November, December is when we want to begin to look. Obviously, we're going to finalize plans. Okay. Right? We should have an initial plan, and then if there's going to be tweaks or ever to it, you know, based on some of the things that you saw, that's understandable. Um, that's when you're usually finalizing payment. Okay. I mean, for a lot of different reasons, but uh, a lot of your fame, your final you know, stuff happens there. We need to be make sure we're out. Your your seasonman should be out looking at his corn. Okay. Right. Well, yeah. Right. October, November, December. He ought to be out there pulling samples, harvest pulling samples. rides. Yeah. Yeah. Harvest yep. rides. Uh, and and then pulling and then pulling samples and let's see where this is going to go. Pulling samples is such a big part of what you're doing. Should be a yeah. big part of what your seedman doing and, and working together, and um, because these especially you know I mean these guys are busy. You know, the dairymen are very busy. You know, they don't necessarily have time to do that. Most of the time, how many times are they going out and pulling a sample just because, oh, gosh, we got we to get it in so we can make sure it's okay to feed it. Right. Right. Instead of knowing ahead of time, okay, when we get into this, here's what we're seeing out of it. So let's be prepared. Maybe we need to make changes to the diet or, or whatever it might be. Well, and, and that's where we get in really good communication with the nutritionist. 
look, this is this is where we were wanting this corn to be. This is where it looks like it's going to be. This is this is where we're, we're look like we're going with these things. Okay, so we got October, November, December. Okay, January, February, March. I'm going to go back one second. Oh. One thing that I do want to hit on for that time period of that that October harvest time is moisture testing. Okay, yeah. We want to make sure that we're getting someone out there doing that. And your seasonman hopefully is doing that as part of his plan with you. But that's how, how big of a difference can moisture make in a sample? Oh, a huge difference, a huge right. difference. We know that the drier corn silage is, you know, a lot of times the the fiber quality begins to go down and the, and the grain quality. Now we may have more starch there, the drier that is, but is that starch as digestible as it should be? Right. And, and so we got to hit those optimal moistures, you know, 62 to 65% moisture is, is where we really kind of want that corn silage har- harvested for that optimum, uh, n- you know, nutritional values. Right. So then, good point. so then getting into the, you know, the first, the next, the next quarter, basically one of the biggest things that comes to mind for me, Toby, is soil sampling. Yeah. Field scouting, yep. you know, that's for, for sure. Yeah. So, so looking at the soil sample, you know, for, personally, I really like a soil sample right after the crop comes off. Okay. Because um, at that at that point, the soil is probably in its worst shape, its right? Worst it's shape. pulled everything out, uh, and and then we can kind of see okay where we got to go for next year, uh, from a, from a nutrition standpoint or from a fertility standpoint. Most more importantly, yeah. uh, it's generally a good time of year from a moisture standpoint to get a good sample. Um, so hopefully your seeds been a part of that process. Even if you have, see, here's the thing that I think is getting missed too, is that there are farms that are big enough that they have an agronomist. That right. that's what he does. You as the seedsman and you as the farm, encourage your seedsman to be a part of that. doesn't mean he has to do it, but why not be a part of it so you know and giving your product the best chance to succeed on the farm? Yeah. You know? No, that makes sense. That makes complete sense. So, okay. So, then we, we get past the, fo- the fall. We get, we get past Christmas, January, February, March. What, what should your seedsman be? What should you be expecting from your seedsman? So, again, depending on when you took off, you still may have to do some sampling. You're going to be looking at that. But now it's time to start thinking about that farm plan, right, where it's going to go, what it's going to look like. Uh, make sure you're still soil, or you're still going to be doing sampling. Determining yeah. acreage. Yep, you're going to be yeah, determining your layouts, determining your acreage, um, capital investments a lot of times during that time. Um, as far as what you're going to do for next year right. with irrigation or whatever it might be to to the farm. But um, Should we be looking in March for, for delivery of seed? Yeah. So March, yeah, we want to try to get that. Obviously, you, as long as you've got conditions to be able to keep it safe, okay, um, keep it secure, the earlier you can get your seed, the better. And that's not, that's not just coming from the guy who wants to get it out of his warehouse, right? That's literally securing your seed and making sure you've got it in the right time because we all know what's going to happen as soon as it gets sunny, right? So so I think this is another one of those signs that we have to stop and, and really talk about communication again because this is really an important part of the role is the seed delivery. And, and so much of the time, this is the portion of the communication that's, that's, that's probably the lacking, I guess would be the better word. Uh, because we get so many guys that call us four days before we went to the seed and they, they, they expect it to be there on Friday. Right. And it's just not possible for us with the volumes that we deal with to be able to do that. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that exactly sense. right. But if but if we're looking at you know communicating, checking those warehouses, uh, looking at communicating, delivering that seed in in March, you know it's there when those guys get antsy. Absolutely, yep. 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 Communication. All right, and then and then we we get into March, we get into April, May, and June. You know, right. planter rides, planter planter rides, and checking planters. Right back, right back to the right same back beginning, to the beginning of the circle. Uh, absolutely, yep. absolutely, guys. I, I appreciate you joining us today. 
and, and talking through this. I hope that some guys out there listening are, are going to be expecting more out of their seedsmen and, uh, you know, in, in being able to use that seedsman as a resource and, and kind of more in, in that consulting role. Uh, you guys out, out and about, we appreciate you listening in today and appreciate you joining us. Hey, remember that we are on YouTube, Instagram, and as always, you can check us out at seedcorn.com. We appreciate you listening.